If you would, please stand with me and open your copy of God's Word to Isaiah chapter 12. Be reading the entire chapter, six verses. Isaiah chapter 12. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw waters out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your word this morning. We are thankful for this opportunity to stand before the truth of your word. We are thankful for your promise, your spirit that He will comfort our hearts and that He will lead us into all truths. He will open our eyes to Your Word. Lord, we pray this morning that through Your Word and Your Spirit, through the reading and the preaching and the hearing of Your Word, that You will change us, that You will make us more like Jesus. And in His name we pray, Amen. You may be seated. Well, as I suspected this morning, with a uh, baptism and with the Thanksgiving testimony uh, service, we... uh, we are running a little short on time here for sermonizing. I usually try to finish about 11.40, and it's about 11.20. So, strap in, I'm going to talk really fast. No, that's not what I'm going to do. We will start here, and we will see where we end up. So, um, y'all can pray for me uh, that the Spirit will show up and guide me and You will hear what you're supposed to hear this morning. So as we consider this passage in Isaiah 12, um, this is really an amazing passage. As I studied through it, I I was struck time and time again at how complete it is in its presentation of the gospel and the Christian life. I mean, really here in just six relatively short verses... It is able to communicate to us the truths 
the mercy, the grace of the gospel, and the joy of living the Christian life in six verses. And to set the context here a little bit, we have Isaiah has been talking about God's people being delivered um, from the Assyrians and he refers back to Egypt from time to time. But ultimately he's talking about the deliverance that is going to come about when the Messiah comes. That ultimately that deliverance of whether it's the Egyptians or the Assyrians or as we've been studying lately of the Babylonians or as is always the case, deliverance from our own idolatrous hearts. Isaiah breaks out into song. He breaks out into singing. He is overcome with praise. As he thinks about life, what it will look like when the stem of Jesse or the branch that grows out of the root of Jesse, when the Messiah King comes, when the Prince of Peace, when His reign takes hold of the earth. What will it look like for God's people? And in just six verses, Isaiah lifts his hands and he lifts his voice. He lifts his face to heaven and he sings. It is also interesting that as you keep track of this passage, as you see the different elements that Isaiah points to or talks about in this song, that it's really an amazing outline. It's an amazing illustration. It's an amazing pattern displaying the way we actually worship. The way we come together as God's people. We come into His presence It says, and in that day thou shalt say. Brothers and sisters, we are living in that day. This passage is about us. And it starts off by saying, I will praise thee, O Lord. Now this word praise here, it has multiple facets in its meaning. And in this particular usage and in this particular context, because we see later in verse 1 that God was angry with us and that then His anger was turned away from us, that this praise is one that contains a personal lament. We praise the Lord for His goodness, even while we confess our lack thereof. Do you see this? Oh Lord, 
I will praise thee. Though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away. I mean, this is, this is like our confession of sin. Where we come into God's presence. We know that He calls us into His presence and we come by faith. But we come knowing that we appear before a holy God and that we are not. And we come to praise Him for we know that His Word is going to tell us that His anger is turned away from us. We come praising Him knowing that He has forgiven us. That He has provided a means of salvation. If you want a good picture of what this anger looks like, I want you to think of the face of a bull. Alright? I want you to think of a face of a bull that is angry. And his nostrils are flared. And there is hot air jetting out of his nostrils. That's what this word angry means. And it is good and right that God is angry with us. For as His people, we continue to turn away from Him. We continue to forget. We suffer from our own unfaithfulness. And yet Isaiah knows that in that day, we will appear before the Lord and we will lift our hands, our sin-stained hands, and we will confess to our faithful God that He will forgive us. Amen? I could just end right there, right? Ten minutes. But we know that there is more to this Christian life. There is more to being God's people. There is more to the Lord's goodness than He's just not angry with us anymore. If you see there at the end of verse 1, it says that He comforts me. It is very personal. The Lord in His goodness, the Lord in His mercy, the Lord in His grace, the Lord in His kindness comforts His people. That's a big old sloppy papa hug, right? Behold, verse 2, God is my salvation. I will trust and not 
be afraid. I trust that it is God himself that is my salvation. Salvation doesn't just come from the Lord. Salvation is the Lord. And trusting in him, we do not have to be afraid. His anger is turned from us. His comfort is upon us. We have nothing to fear, for it is the Lord God Himself who is our salvation. It is His righteousness that is upon us that leads to that salvation. The language here is, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. And this is one of the few places in Scripture where it actually uses the Lord's name twice. It's basically Jehovah, Jehovah. And we know that when words are repeated in Hebrew that it's for emphasis, right? Dr. Sproul has taught us that. And there are several ideas around why it is repeated here. Now it could be that the double name there is, He is my strength and my song. It could be that He is my strength and my song and my salvation. There are those who suggest that um, Jehovah showing up there twice is actually pointing to the second person of the Trinity, that it's actually talking about Jesus here. That it is Jesus who is my strength and my song, and that it is Jesus that has become my salvation. There are those who suggest that the double use of the name here is one to communicate to us the ultimate covenantal faithfulness of our God. And that He not only provides salvation to us, but He also provides us the strength and the joy to sing. And of course, you know what I'm going to say. It's all of those. Why choose? God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord Himself is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. And it is therefore with joy. You see this? He is no longer angry with us. He comforts us. He provides His salvation. He provides His strength. He puts joy in our hearts so that we can sing. And with that joy that the Lord provides, He calls us to continue to draw water out of the wells of salvation. These, these waters of salvation, this well of salvation is a spring that has no bottom. 
It is cool, clear, pure water that washes over us and comforts us and cleanses us and lets us know that we are God's children, that salvation has come to us and to our house. Those of you who remember, once upon a time, I owned a house that had a dry well. Everybody remember that? Now we know that the, the Lord in His goodness and His kindness towards me and our family used that situation for good. Amen? Everybody said amen except Mrs. Evans. But I really want you to see something here. This, this water of the wells of salvation, this is uh, from the Lord. This is the Lord's doing. This is a bottomless, perfect well of water. God is my salvation. This salvation comes from these waters that will never, ever cease. And these waters are not of your own doing. See, when I had a well that was dry, it took great effort on my part and the part of my family to keep water in this well. Time after time after time, we would have to go get water, load it up on a truck, and then we would labor to get it to the well because sometimes it was wet and the truck would get stuck or it would be cold and the equipment was frozen and you would break the valve. It was not fun. But in all that effort, in all the resources that it took for us to keep water in that house, the water that that well then provided was pretty dreadful. It was muddy, and it was stinky, and it had sand in it, and we had to ration it. We took water from the bathtub after somebody had bathed, so we took dirty water, and we would haul it in buckets. I'm not kidding. We would haul it in buckets over to the washing machine, and we would use that for the first cycle in the washing machine. Through no fault of Mrs. Evans, but our clothes were dingy. Our hair smelled funny after you washed it. The toilet was brown. All that effort, and what did we get? Lousy water. That's what we got. And on top of that, on top of it being terrible water, you know what else it was? It was costly. It took time, it ruined equipment, and it cost us lots of money when we didn't haul it. And that, my friends, is a picture of what salvation looks like when you are doing the work. 
There is a passage in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 2. It is a perfect illustration of what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to show you these perfect, pure, life-giving, abundantly supplied water flowing from God Himself to provide salvation to you and yours. Verses this. For my people have committed two evils. And this is really how God's people get hauled off to Babylon, right? This is how they get overrun by the Assyrians. This is how you end up with God being angry with you when you forsake Him as the only source of salvation. This is what it looks like. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken Me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. For the humanists, this is what salvation looks like. It is a broken cistern that can hold no water. It demands endless resources and it produces no water. We poured water in my well and it ran right out the bottom. But this is verse 3 where it talks about with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. This is really a transition in this passage. If you will notice in verse 1 and in verse 2, it is singular language. O Lord, I will praise Thee, for Thou was angry with me. Thine anger is turned away and Thou comfortest me. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. He is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And then there's something that happens here in verse 3. With joy shall ye, it goes plural here, with joy we together as God's people, we continue to draw water out of the wells of salvation. So not only is the Lord the source of this salvation, He is the alone source of this salvation. He is the only one who can do this. Not only does that flow out of this spring of water, but so does the joy for His people. And then we see in verse 4, it says, In that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord. Now this one is a little more like what we're thinking of. This one is praise and thanksgiving. This one is hallelujah. This one is raising hands and stomping feet and praising the Lord. I have no idea where I am. <laughs> So 
So we take the salvation, and as we enter into worship, we confess our sins. We are assured of our pardon. We profess our faith in the Lord. We say, I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord is my strength and my song. And then we together as God's people begin to enjoy the water that is flowing out of this well of salvation. We come together and we praise the Lord together. Do you see that? It's not just Thanksgiving Sunday. It's not just Sunday. We as God's people, the recipients of His love and His mercy and His salvation, we are to be a thankful people. That's why it was hard for me to talk about the dry well at my old house. It's hard for me to be thankful about that. But we know that the Lord works all things together for good. But then look at what happens here. Flowing out of this water, flowing out of this well, out of this bottomless spring, this joy that overwhelms His people, they come together and they praise the Lord and they call upon His name. This is a proclamation. This is proclaim His name. I think of us singing loud songs together praising the Lord and proclaiming His name. This word here, call, it's really interesting. Luther translated it, and he translated it this way. He said, preach His name. We come together as God's people and we praise the Lord and we preach His name. And then it says that we are to declare His doings among the people. We are to know, we are to experience, we are to learn what the Lord is doing in my life and your life and in the lives of those around us. And we repeat those back to the Lord. We thank Him for those experiences that we have, whether they're good or whether we think they're bad. And then it tells us to make mention that His name is exalted. Now this make mention, it tells us to, um, to remember, to cause to remember, to make known His excellent, exalted name. We remember the Lord's death until He comes. We come together as His people and we praise His name. We preach His name. We declare His great and marvelous work in our midst. And then we remember and we believe. And then the fun part happens here, right? Sing unto the Lord, for He has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. You, my friends, you who are bought with a price, you who have been redeemed, are called by the Lord to do what? To be loud and rowdy. I'm not kidding. 
That's what this means. This means to sing really loud, to crank up the instruments, to play the piano a little too loud. (laughs) Because what we're supposed to do here is as we are praising the Lord with this loud singing and this loud music, it is so that all the earth will know that we praise His name. Do you see that? In verse 5 it says, this is known in all the earth because you are so loud. That's your job. So I want you to think about this. I heard John mention this when he was talking about being thankful this morning. Do any of you ever have those times in your life, especially in your house, when it is absolutely insane, nutso in your house, and you're thinking, I don't know how much longer I can tolerate this. Anybody? (laughs) Some young ones too. This is how it is supposed to be. It is supposed to be loud and joyous. You know, when we were talking in Ezra earlier, I painted this picture of this Jewish wedding, right? Of this Jewish reception where they're singing and they're dancing and they're breaking stuff and they're spilling the wine. That's what it's supposed to look like. That's what life as a believer is supposed to be. It is supposed to be over-the-top, loud, and joyous. All the kids are going to be saying, Mom, Elder Evan said. <laughs> we are called to cry out. We are called to shout. Thank you. It is supposed to be with great joy that we sing, that we rejoice that we shout to the Lord, that we express our great delight and joy and pleasure by a clear and a loud sound. That's what we're called to do here. We're to cry out and we're to shout. It says here, you inhabitants of Israel, that is you. This is a really interesting phrase here. It is plural and singular at the same time. It's also feminine. It's talking about you, the bride of Christ. You're supposed to be happy about this wedding. Today in our baptism, the language from the catechism says that in that baptism, the one being baptized is now engaged to be the Lord's. There was a wedding ceremony right here earlier today. Did you see it? And that's where we are to follow it up with singing and dancing and breaking stuff and spilling the wine. And you know what? There's a plate of food on the floor and the kids are screaming and that one needs a diaper change. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That's what this service is supposed to be like. We've all been Presbyterians far too long. Look at this, my son, Je- my son Jedediah is illustrating for me. He's sitting there like this. Yeah. 
We need to loosen up a little bit, folks. It's okay to talk in the service. Did you know that? So here's what I want you to take away from this. Thanksgiving is not just a Thursday in November. It is not just the Sunday before or maybe after Thanksgiving. We can never quite remember. It is supposed to be every Sunday and every Monday and every Tuesday. And you guessed it, any day that ends with a Y. You are called to live a life of praise and thanksgiving. This is what thankful people do. We are to proclaim and declare Jesus' name to anybody that will listen and even to those that won't. You are to remember His goodness towards you and your children, and you are to tell others about it, especially your children. The way you live, the way you worship, the way you raise your children. The crazy parties you throw in your house. Your your life should be a loud concert of praise for the one who has provided your salvation, your comfort, who has provided your everything. I have a neighbor who outdoes me all the time. I hear his music. This should not happen. He should hear mine. Your neighbors should know that you are loud and rowdy. You have a lot of work. Your neighbors aren't very close. <laughs> and and the blicks. A loud concert of praise. That's what you've been called to. Amen? Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, it is with great joy that we come before Your Word today. We thank You for the encouragement We thank You for the instruction. We thank You for the promise. For this is not a recommendation. This is a promise that this is what life in the covenant looks like. For this, Lord, give us thankful hearts. Give us loud voices. Let us not be ashamed of You. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. If you would stand with me now.